0: Episode seven, rolling with the punches. I have a little bit of extra excitement in my voice this week because we're going to Talladega, and that brings a whole different feel to a race week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I always loved going to Talladega. And when you go there, the enormity of it, and the fact that you know you knew that no matter no matter what, who qualified where, you were going to see one heck of a race. You were Talladega was about speed. It was about taking risks it was about hold your breath photo finishes you know at the last minute it was about first-time winners who's going to surprise us today which means who may surprise us on sunday
0: well and given the the racing that we've seen since returning to the racetrack a few weeks ago at darlington i'd have to imagine that what we're going to see this weekend at talladega is going to be talladega at its finest and i know so much of talladega for the fans obviously is getting to go and getting to experience it but Have yourself a little Talladega at home and enjoy some racing uh, on the television because it can be just as good from your couch. But, yes, Episode 7, Rolling with the Punches. We don't have a guest this week. It's just uh, me and you, Dad. But, um, like we said, we got a lot to cover. We'll do a few takeaways that we had from Homestead, a little bit of um, just general NASCAR news this week. We uh, learned of the 2021 NASCAR Hall of Fame class, so I'm really looking forward to uh, touching on – those um, hall of famers with you. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about this big move that NASCAR made with the all-star race. We're going to be racing at Bristol. Um, right. That'll be exciting. Talk about, talk about intense, exciting racing. Wait till, wait till we get there. Um, and then, yeah, tell a little bit of a, a Talladega story. Tell a few stories, talk a little bit about the history of the track, because I know personally, I was surprised to learn some of uh, the history of, of this racetrack. track. So hopefully we can, can teach you guys a little bit. So let's get started looking at um, some takeaways from Homestead. Um, Truck Series, Kyle Busch, another win. That makes 58 wins now for Kyle in the Truck Series. But I want to point out that second place finisher, Tyler Ankrum. I don't know if I've mentioned Tyler yet on the podcast, but I'm a big, big fan of watching Tyler Ankrum race. Uh, He's only uh, this is only his second season in the Gander Truck Series, and this is his first season with a new team. So that second-place finish I know was big for him, and he's one that I would suggest continuing to watch.
1: Yeah, and you know what? And finishing second to Kyle Busch, that's first in class. Um, yeah. That's, you know, and I got, i had a chance to meet Tyler <clears throat> uh, a year or so ago when he came, uh, when he volunteered his time and came to the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Food City Family Race Night at Bristol Before Bristol. And I loved the way he interacted with the fans and uh, was so unselfish with his time. So those kind of people that are unselfish and willing to give back, you like to, you like to see them be successful on the track. And Homestead was a great example of that uh, in in spite of Kyle Bush having to start in the back of the pack and go a lap down early, uh, uh, but he was able to win the race. But Tyler, I think that's a nice statement on where, where his uh, his career is headed.
0: Yeah, Kyle Busch being, being Kyle Busch, nothing surprises me anymore uh, when it comes to watching him in a, a truck. Honestly, he is, he is the best of, of the best in the truck series. But yeah, Tyler Ingram, personality, I could do a whole episode talking about Tyler Ingram's personality. Okay. We don't have time, time for that today, but definitely one to watch. Um, all right, let's look at the Xfinity series. Second win this season for the rookie Harrison Burton harrison wow okay rookie i said rookie this is a kid who had only one year of full-time experience in the truck series moves up is in a joe gibbs race car joe gibbs composite body car and is slinging that thing in the xfinity series two wins already this season what where what does he do next what do you do with the kid that's this good already
1: you know he looks like he's 15 years old and he's not but uh
0: (laughs) He's not much older than
1: that though He's not much just a few years four years and, and and the thing is you know coming from that family from his mom and dad from Jeff Burton and Kim Burton Kim was a great college athlete Jeff is a phenomenal driver uh, and now broadcaster uh, he matured so quickly because that's just how his parents are uh, and that's how you know it reminds me that his parents raised him the right way basically reminds me a little bit of what um, you know uh, the, the Elliots did with with chase I mean l- l- you know in I think that you know, helping this young man understand what's important. He developed himself. He's worked hard. He has a workout routine. He's in great physical shape. He's mentally tough. And you don't want to spend too many years in lower ranks. You can help it if you can get a good ride and get there. And now you see the results that he's picked up now, another win and the Xfinity Series. And uh, what that means is that this young man, you know, you think about, you know, all the guys that are coming along, the you know, the Chase, you know, the Austin Cendricks and the Chase Briscoes and whatever. And now this young man, uh, boy, the future at NASCAR is very bright.
0: Yeah, that Xfinity series is producing some incredible talent right now. And I, a side note here about about Harrison and I told Jeff this, Jeff Burton this at the Hall of Fame. Um, Harrison, the first time I interviewed him, I I thought to myself after the interview, I'll say something to him a little bit. Hey, our you know our families are friends or just try to make a connection there because I did feel like we kind of had something in common there. And we finish up the interview, and and he says, "Yes, ma'am. Thank you." And everything inside of me shattered because here I am, like I'm gonna make a connection with him, and he called me ma'am, and <laughs> yeah. I've never felt more old. But but all of that to say, yes, he's been raised right. You can't you can't blame the kid for having for having good good yeah. southern manners. But
1: and growing up, he probably doesn't realize that growing up, your your backyard, your playground, uh, and your swing set was not that far from where his swing set was, <laughs> all in the same neighborhood. Uh, when, uh, when his dad was developing his career and mom and I lived there just north of Charlotte. So, uh, I, I, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, it's that he yeah. calls you ma'am. It just goes to show you the respect this, that he has for, for people. And then uh, the fact that his mom and dad taught him the right way. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Um, and, uh, I think that, and then that kind of respect for racing and what he does in the racetracks, uh, another reason he's successful.
0: Absolutely. I'm just giving him a hard time. Just goes to show how old I'm getting. All right. We did have another Xfinity Series race at Homestead. Uh, Again, Chase Briscoe, must we go into more detail? He is continuing to show a tremendous amount of success this season. He mentioned at the beginning of the year that he felt like he was going to have to win eight races to feel like he uh, was doing his part and like he was going to be able to keep his ride, which everyone thought was a little little ridiculous. But those eight races are looking uh, very, very attainable. So much so that people are saying, what is in the future? For a driver like Chase Briscoe,
1: well, I think that when you when you take the team manager because out of necessity, and put Zippy on the box, and Zippy goes come to who who call all those races and those championships years, you know for, for uh, uh, Tony Stewart, and you impress everyone, you know with what you do and how you do it. Uh, I think that as soon as as soon as there is sponsorship and a ride available uh, with that uh, Stewart Haas team. they've got to put this young man in the car. You don't want to throw him to the wolves, but gosh, there's so much young talent out there and you see what he's done and how mature he's been, you know? Um, And especially with, uh, you know, he had one day it was pretty good, really good. Another day it wasn't very good at Homestead, but uh, he bounced back so quickly. That's the good thing about young people, young athletes is that, you know, you have to remember uh, it's tomorrow that counts and, uh, or today, not about yesterday. You don't think about the last lap or the last inning or the last, pass you through, you worry about the next lap. And and I think uh, it, Chase Briscoe did just that and got the win. And I think, you now, if I'm the Stuart Haas team, I'm thinking about the next year for this young man in the next series, which means Cup.
0: Right, and obviously, you know, the question there is where, what ride? what ride is available but that's again that could be a whole nother episode because we have a few rides we're gonna have to fill at the end of the season that's you know that's all for that's that's for silly season that's for for another day um all right we did uh and then of course we saw another win win from denny third win this season uh from denny hamlin i was looking at it though because to me i i felt like he had more wins i don't know why that is but to me it just it, it felt like um this wasn't just number three, but I noticed both Pinsky and Joe Gibbs both have four wins so far this year. So it's 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 a pretty even playing field when it comes.
1: Yeah, to and, and and give a call to that team. Diddy Hamlin, not only did he win the race, he won both the previous segments in that the day. So he right. won, he won basically, he swept. He you know he the trifecta, um, and now a lot of teams, several teams, were saying we were expecting to run at three thirty in the sunshine and ninety five degree heat, instead because of several lightning delays. We ended up running at 7:30 when it was 75 degrees and dark, and that made a big difference. And some of the teams were set up to run in the heat of the day, and uh, couldn't couldn't make adjustments like they wanted to with their car. Denny Hamlin's car was good no matter what time, how many laps they ran at what time of the afternoon. So he picks up his third win at Homestead and his third win of the year. So uh, serving notice that you know that's uh, uh, that they're gonna they're gonna be a factor. And you think about that you know, he finally gets, Vinnie Hammond finally gets his crew chief and car chief back after losing them for suspension Mm -hmm. for four races after that little tungsten issue um, that came out. Uh, So, and boy, he made the best of that, you know, getting just basically spanking everybody at Homestead, Miami with that victory.
0: Yeah, I want to, I want to get your thoughts too coming out of that race. I've been really vocal in the past about Tyler Reddick, the rookie Tyler Reddick. I um, really enjoy watching him him race, and I think that he absolutely proved the potential that he has just as a rookie in the way that he raced at Homestead on Sunday. What were your thoughts watching Tyler uh, race against the best of the best?
1: Well, I'm, I've i been impressed with Tyler Reddick for the last year and a half, two years. In fact, I, I, I was at Richard Childress Racing at RCR uh, to help them see their kick off their 50th anniversary celebration last year, and there were people in the room who were guests, uh, other other uh, media and others uh, in NASCAR who kept telling them, "Look, hey, ARC, hey, this kid Tyler Reddick is a real deal. He is, he is, he is something. This kid's got a bright future. You better hang on to him, and you better get him in Cup quickly because if you don't, someone else will." Uh, which is exactly what Richard Childress has done. I, so impressed, Tyler Reddick. And here's the other thing, I that when you, when you hear the other veteran drivers talk about him, uh, they talk about, and they race about, they talk about how much respect they have for his car control, how mature he is on the racetrack um, in terms of he races you clean, he gives you room to pass, he doesn't get it, he, he doesn't cut you off and get in your way. Uh, that's a sign of a young man who really understands where he's going and has a, has a good handle on what this whole sport's about. And so he's already building respect among the veterans, and he's out running. And then he has that kind of day, so uh, gets a top five finish. You know, and and quite honestly, Jesse, if if they don't, if they if they short pit him on that last pit stop and bring him in because tire tires fall off is so significant, he could have made up three or four seconds by pitting a lap or two earlier. He might have won the race. Uh, now, but you know, you know if you know, so that you can what if yourself all day. But you know, they sure. did, and he still gets a great finish.
0: Something about watching how confident he was running the fence at homestead and now we know he's had he's won championships there he's he knows how to win that racetrack but that's in an Xfinity series car I mean the 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 possibilities for damage in a cup series car are way higher but the confidence that he had running that high line was so fun to watch um I'm just I'm I'm very much looking forward uh to watching him the rest of the season and obviously continuing on in in the cup series but um
1: that yeah, was just I, fun for me.
0: I like good, good racing at Homestead. I personally, I like Homestead as a regular yeah. season track and not a championship. I thought it produced a, a little more um, risk taking when it came to how guys are racing each other.
1: Yeah. And cause I have been there all many, many years when it was the season finale and it was the championship week. It was Ford championship weekend down there and you go to the driver's meeting and the NASCAR executives go into drivers and they say, okay, look, this is a championship weekend. We have these, this guy, and this guy, and this guy, this guy are, are running – don't get in the way. Don't be a factor. And if you create a problem for one of these guys, you better create the same problem for the other three. In other words, let everyone race. Let these guys decide the championship. So it was sort of like telling people, hands off, okay, wait, stay out of the way. Run your race. But then this is the first time that you haven't had to worry about, you know, a championship. You can go out there and run as hard as you want to, change your strategies. And then, of course, um, you know, and I like the track. I like the track. It's a mile-and-a-half track. When it was first built it was rectangular it looked was built sort of like a mini indianapolis motor speedway and then they changed the design because it was so hard to get in the corners and we had some pretty pretty bad wrecks there and they made it into a mile and a half oval uh and uh but i love the palm trees the water uh in the infield everything that just you know just the, the flavor of south florida you walk you drive out of the track you're right in the right in the mouth of the keys there so the weather is nice except for a little bit of afternoon lightning uh, but yeah I like going there and I'm glad we're able to be able to get that race in uh, in spite of the fact that it sure probably happened two months ago but we're able to get there and get it done
0: and despite you know mother nature's other other plans but what else is new that's NASCAR <laughs> all yeah. right let's talk a little bit of NASCAR news because we saw two huge announcements come out this week Um, First, let's touch on the NASCAR Hall of Fame class of 2021. Oh, this is a feel-good class. They're all feel-good classes, but this (laughs) one, I mean, this one just hit you right in the heart if you're a NASCAR fan. Let's start with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Obviously, Dale Earnhardt Jr., 15-time most popular driver, 26 wins, two-time NASCAR Xfinity Series champion, and just retired in 2017, now will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, no one's surprised, right. but everyone right. is so thrilled for him.
1: Well, first first year on the ballot, and uh, and first year he was eligible to go in on the ballot. And truth be known, I think he gave some interviews uh, ear- earlier in the week and said he was concerned, he was nervous, that he wasn't going to get in. Uh, and uh, you know, and in the fan vote, actually, he was second in the fan vote behind Neil Bonnet and just in front of Red Farmer. But but yeah, overall. Uh, what a what a what a wonderful! He, he joins his dad. You know, Um I sent him a note. I texted him a note and said, "Hey, Dad's got to be smiling from above. He's got to be so proud of you, young man." And uh and he responded right away. You know, I, I just think you know it's it's not okay. See, people are saying we well, didn't win a championship, but look at what he's done. Most popular driver, 15 times. How much has he given to the sport? Two-time Daytona 500 winner, 26 wins. The only driver with more wins that was eligible was Carl Edwards but you know dale jr has won. you know the, you mentioned the two xfinity titles and i was there calling a the race both times he won back-to-back years and in, in the finale at homestead uh well three championships as a car owner uh for junior Motorsports. so uh and and all that he's done for the sport um you know there were times where he probably should have just walked away you know when he had the concussions he could have walked away but he felt like he wanted to, to stay and race and for several reasons for the fans for someone he thought the world of and thinks the world of is Carlin or Rick Hendrick. And to be able to leave on his own, be able to make it, you know, rather than having an injury, drive him away. He wanted to leave on his own terms. Uh, But he did that for the sport and for the fans. so, so yeah, someone like that that's given so much. I'm so thrilled for Dale Earnhardt Jr. to be in that next class. And, uh, you know, it's class number 12 for the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Class
0: number 12. Wow. And I love what you said about, Hey, well, look what he's done for the sport because that's been the general response is you know to say he didn't win a championship that's silly Dale Dale Earnhardt Jr. has done arguably more for this sport than than a number of previous NASCAR champions and that's not to slight what they've done for the sport it's just to to really emphasize what he has done when it comes to bringing in fans when it comes to um notability just in in the sports world in general he really has, was a, the face of the sport and his, what he's done, like you said, not only just pouring into uh, everything of himself, into his career, but now continuing to pour into the careers of the up-and-coming drivers uh, as a team owner and an incredibly successful team owner. It's it's you think, tremendous.
1: You think about the fact that you, you, that uh, Mark Martin didn't win an NASCAR championship, Davey Allison didn't right. win an Ascar championship. They're both in the Hall of Fame. No one's going to say they're not deserving. They both are very deserving because – you know, in you know, in an abbreviated period of time, Davey Allison was sensational. Was going his way to win a championship, was caught oh, up yeah. in a wreck in that in that last race in two in 1992. That Alan quickie ended up winning a title. Mark Martin, heaven forbid! I mean, he's 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 come close so many times to winning a title, only to to finish up behind a Dale Earnhardt or or Jeff Gordon. Um, but he certainly was deserving of being in. So yeah, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Not about titles, um, you know. Um, Wendell Scott's in there. He he won one race and didn't get the trophy for that race. But what he did for the sport, you know, in that time where he had to overcome so much, you know, he's deserving. So was Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, For all the things you've mentioned and I've mentioned uh, that he will lead the way uh, in this class uh, of 2021 uh, for the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Thrill for him.
0: So also deserving, and as we mentioned, this this class of 2021 is, would you say, the 12th class now? Right. And they've now dropped it down to inducting three, uh, three people into the class, plus the landmark award. So there's only three inductees this year. Um, the next more than deserving inductee is Mike Stefanik, who is a seven-time modified champion, but not just that he's a nine-time nascar champion because he has two championships in the bush north series which ties him as with richie evans for the most nascar championships in the history of the sport yeah Yeah. unfortunately we lost sorry dad i didn't mean to interrupt you but i just unfortunately we lost mike stefanik uh at the end of last year uh, in september of 2019 in a plane crash Um, he was 61 years old but Yes, a tremendous career uh, in, his, in his time in the sport.
1: Yeah, I, I, had, I had the good fortune of doing a lot of races uh, over the years in the, in the NASCAR North Series uh, uh, and in the Modified Series when Mike Stefanik was winning. And he was such a wonderful individual, such a great ambassador for the series. Uh, th- there were other drivers back in the, in the day that liked to win races and party and play, and they were really good for racing. Their, their focus was racing, but Mike was like an ambassador. You know, he, he was well-liked by the fans, well-liked by the competitors. And remember, in the NASCAR Wheel and Modified mm-hmm. Series, you use that Nerf bar to push people out of the way and bump and push and shove because those tires are exposed. You can't really use tires um, because mm-hmm. that can be dangerous. But that, normally, you don't have a lot of friends. But Mike Stefanik had a lot of friends, people who liked him. He and Julie, his wife, uh, were just um, so, so warm and welcoming. Uh, no matter where you were, you walked up to Mike, he would always take time to talk. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm thrilled that uh, the nine-time champion, uh, that NASCAR's had enough vision. There are people in that room voting there. I think there were 65 people now this year that they've added, 65 members this year who are actually voting, and they realize how important it is to get Mike in. I wish he was around. Uh, you mentioned the tragic loss uh, from the plane crash, but I've got to believe Julie uh, and the family will be there and be all lit up when it comes uh, not the time for his, uh, his induction and so, certainly well-deserved.
0: I love what you said about about him being so well-liked in, in the modified world, because you're absolutely right. Oftentimes, the, the best drivers aren't the most well-liked ones, especially amongst their competitors, because it's a rough, it's rough racing. And I remember, you know, not just, I remember personally, I didn't know, I didn't know Mike, but I was in Uh, the media center at Las Vegas the weekend that the uh, news came out that he had passed. And I just remember the response from the media, the, the feeling in the room, it just, it, it made you recognize, even if you didn't know this person, it was evident the type of respect that the whole entire sport had for him from media to competitors. And for someone who, who, like you said, is a late model driver, I love highlighting, uh, these late model champions and someone who's who's a champion of of the late model series it's so important
1: you know and he, and he even ventured out late in his career. i mean in, i think it was in the late 90s 99 i believe that he he went off and ran the gander outdoor truck series uh, mm-hmm. for a year and, and was rookie of the year there so um you know nascar wheel and modified where everyone knew that that that's that was his wheelhouse no pun intended that was where he started yeah. and then the nascar well, they had a Bush North series, or NASCAR North series, NASCAR East series, whatever you want to call it up there, two-time champion, back-to-back years. So that's where the nine titles come from. And then rookie of the year, uh, in the Gander. or so he, a truck series. So he did so much for the sport. And I, and I'm, I'm thankful, you know, it was years ago, I think it was back in the third class that they added Richie Evans, the nine time NASCAR modified, you know, Mr. Modified, um, uh, Richie Evans was so popular that they, they, they uh, cloned the color of his car, Started calling it Evans orange. Uh, that car, cars like that are in hall, halls of fame all over the country including there's one in the international motorsports hall of fame at talladega but but you know you, you think about the, the nascar hall of fame you it's not just the cup guys the, the super speedway the superstars jack ingram is in there we mentioned richie evans ron hornaday jr um you know jerry cook another another wonderful nascar modified series champion and now Mike Stefanik so I love the fact that they're recognizing these grassroots guys that laid the framework for some of the some of the entry-level racing and and then moved up and are now Hall of Famers you know and well deservedly so
0: I absolutely agree with you Mike Stefanik more more than deserving to be a part of this class of 2021 Uh, in rounding out the class of 2021 Red Farmer which is another another feel good no one is surprised but everyone is thrilled for it. the three time late model sportsman champion and he also has a, a modified championship under his belt 1956 and of course he's a member of the Alabama gang um yeah dad thoughts on this one?
1: Oh man I I, I get chills <laughs> thinking about Red Farmer um uh Red Red was actually people made it Red was actually born in Nashville Tennessee that's and right whole life he was uh a part of the LBM game, really t- diehard buddies with with Bobby and Donnie Allison. He was like a mentor to Davy. Uh, people may not remember he was actually with Davy Allison in the helicopter when the copter crashed at Talladega, and it cost Davy's life. Red was injured, but not you know not se- seriously. Uh, but they were so close. Um, you know, Red Farmer. Um, you know, anything he could ever do to help help his friends, like especially the Allisons. Uh, they there was a story that Larry McReynolds tells about when they were um when uh, before davy won the 1992 daytona 500 they had built some cars and they weren't running running really well and so they took cars and tested at daytona at talladega and back then you could test and they would take two cars and red farmer would drive one and davy would drive one and neither one of them were very good and then they went back at the end of january just a couple of weeks before they were to go to daytona and took the bodies off and put new bodies on them and uh and they went to run back to talladega to test well davy allison had a commitment that he, had, he could not get out of, and so he couldn't go. So Red Farmer went and tested those cars at Talladega, mm-hmm. and then the next week they go to Daytona, and Davey Allison wins the Daytona 500 in 1992. So that's that's how valuable someone like Red was. But Red Red's in the Hall of Fame because, you know, of he's probably got somewhere north of 700 wins. You don't know how many wins he's got, uh, you know, and he's still racing today, runs the Talladega Dirt Track, and we also don't know how old he is. Uh, there are people who <laughs> say he's pushing 90, I think, I think he said – he tells people he's 80, but he's been telling people he's 80 since 1990, I think, or thereabouts. Anyway, uh, you know, he's – I asked Red one time, I said, hey, Red, you know, people ask you how old you are, and uh, he said, yeah, doc. He said, people say I'm older than dirt, and I look back, and I. he said, I always ask them, how old's dirt? And they'll look at me like that, and I said, I'm not sure, and, and then he said, well, I'll tell them, if you figure out how old dirt is, add a year, and you got me. He said, that's me. So – I'm guessing Red Farmer is somewhere between 86 and 90 maybe, uh, but still racing and still can tell you a great story. Uh, Pat you on the back, and he's got cars in Hall of Fames too. In fact, he's got got one of his long Lewis Fords, uh, longtime sponsor. Uh, That's in the International Motorsports Hall of Fame at Talladega. We're talking about Talladega. Um, That's in there. You can go by and see the cars he's driven there. Uh, and if you go down to the Talladega short track, you might get a chance to see Red Farmer running a dirt race there because he still competes at, at the age of whatever, uh, dirt plus one.
0: <laughs> the age of whatever, and <laughs> and competes well. Yeah. I mean he is still very much at it. It makes me feel, it makes me just so happy to think about what this induction ceremony will look like and what it will feel like. Now I know things are up in the air with the state of the world right now. But dad, you and I had the, the privilege, the honor of yeah. attending the uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame induction ceremony over the past two years. You attended and took me as your guest, which I'm very thankful for. Um, but no, having the experience to, to be in that room and, and see what that feels like. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh, you can't explain what that feels like. Well, I, last year watching Jeff Gordon put, uh, put the jacket on. I mean, it, it, it truly yeah. watching watching um uh all of these greats just sit on the stage together as a as as a hall of fame class it really is unlike anything else and now thinking about Dale Earnhardt Jr. being on the stage with with Red Farmer and in this in this celebration of their career I I I, I would love to be in that room (laughs) yeah
1: I I I I think a lot Dale Earnhardt Jr. does a And most of these people do a really good job of concealing true emotion. But I think this means a lot to him. I know this means a lot to him. I think he will be emotional. And I think that many of his fans and many of the people watching at home and those of us that have been in that room will see how much it means to him that night of the induction, Uh, because this is something that that means that that's, you know, that that, that's what the Earnhardt family legacy should be, being, being a winner, being in the hall of fame, which is where, his dad is and now where he is
0: last year getting to watch tony stewart get a little choked up that it's exactly what you're saying you know it's these guys that you don't expect to see you we all knew they'd get there and you just kind of assume that they always knew they'd get there too but then when you see them in that moment and it really is setting in how their hard work has paid off it's it's special
1: and Bobby Labani, you know, his speech was as 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 well done as you could ever ever ask, because it was from the heart, talking to his by talking to his mom and dad and to his big brother Terry. And as you mentioned, Tony Stewart, given the whole chronology of where he came from and thanking all the girlfriends that contributed along the way. <laughs> you know, I thought some hey, of those. he knows
0: where he came from, man. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know what? And that's classic, that is classic smoke. That's Tony Stewart just just telling it the way it was. And the way it is. So, yeah, that's a special night to the Hall of Fame. And what a great class, as you mentioned, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Red Farmer, you know, Mike Stefanik, you know, Earnhardt Jr. and Stefanik coming from the modern era, Red Farmer coming from the pioneer era, and nipping Herschel McGriff, by the way, which I think we'll get in. Herschel's 91 and still racing, uh, and and, uh, and I can't wait till Herschel can get in because Herschel's got a story about uh, 1950 when he drove his car and all the way from California. Uh, from Bridalville, Oregon, actually, to to Darlington and ran the Southern 500, the very first Southern 500, and then he had a big party for all the drivers the next day, and um, and Herschel didn't stay. He drove back to California, and I was with Herschel a few months ago, and I said, Herschel, there was always this rumor uh, that the reason you didn't stay for the party is that you had you got in that car that you raced in and drove all the way across country back to California because you were dating some really... Uh, smoking hot movie star, and he 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 winked, and, and, and I said, I, and I'm just going to ask you point blank, were you dating, because Herschel's a nice-looking man, and at the age of 91 or almost 92, he's still a very nice-looking man, yeah. I said, were you dating <laughs> Marilyn Monroe, and he just smiled and winked, and I thought to myself, how about that, you know, you, you know, you don't mind skipping skipping a post-race party in Darlington if you're going to get in the car and go cross country and you're you're going out with Marilyn Monroe now I don't know if that's a fact but I think that's the hot rumor and he didn't deny it. he just gave us a wink and a smile when he was asked uh, a few months ago
0: hey I wouldn't doubt it I wouldn't doubt (laughs) that at all hey like you said he's not bad looking and for anyone that's going to drive in that race car after a race cross country for a girl my bets on Marilyn Monroe yeah that,
1: that, that could be a movie you know (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey, and maybe when he maybe when one day he gets inducted, he'll 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 give us the, the full yeah, story one day, so. yeah. hopefully. Yeah. I do want to mention the landmark award for outstanding contributions to NASCAR. Uh, this year will be given to Ralph Seagraves, who uh was incredibly important in helping this partnership go through with NASCAR and Winston because he was the uh, executive with R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company at the time. So that cannot be understated. How important his role was in contributing to the sport.
1: Well, and and he and you mentioned he was an R. R. J. Reynolds executive, and uh, and the, the legislation had just come down that tobaccos uh, could no longer advertise on radio and television. So where were they going to spend their advertising dollars? And Junior Johnson, the legendary car owner, you know, about an hour west of Winston Salem, uh, Winston Salem where rj reynolds was, was headquartered said you know went to ralph seagraves and said hey why don't you spend your money in nascar why don't you Why do not you sponsor my cars and ralph seagraves said hey great idea we'll sponsor your cars but we can also sponsor the series and so that's where the idea came from so i'm, I'm thrilled for ralph seagraves and his family you know in the in and really the individual in that organization that picked that sponsorship and took it to the next next uh, level with nascar was a guy named t-wayne robertson and i'm hoping eventually that t-wayne will get the accolades he deserves because he's the one that expanded that into the Winston racing series and the cup situation started spending all this money for for Ralph Seagraves. Um, and, and it was a T. Wayne Robertson, Bill France Jr. Team that really started to build NASCAR and it took off. So I'm thrilled for Ralph Seagraves to be in with the landmark award. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping eventually someone like T. Wayne who was so integral in making this, making this investment grow, to the, to the NASCAR, national NASCAR that we got to know, uh, he'll get his due as well.
0: Like we said, this is only the, the 12th class, only but also already the 12th class. So um, we, got, we got a lot of people still to go, uh, but I, I have to imagine a lot of these people we talk about will eventually get Get the respects they deserve. I want to touch on something that you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the overall breakdown of of the voting. I I saw this online. I thought this was interesting. So we talked about the modern era ballot being separate. So Taylor and Hart Jr. received 76% of that modern era ballot vote. Stefanik 49%, and finishing in third was Ricky Rudd with Neil yeah. Bonnet in fourth. But I thought that was really interesting. Ricky Rudd there in third.
1: Yeah, very very well deserving, and Ricky will get in. Um, and uh, excited that, and just goes to show you how many people in, in that room and people on the voting committee uh, that uh, realized you know, what a great career Ricky had and how deserving he is. Uh, Neil Bonnet was uh, next, so ne- I think Neil eventually will get in. Um, so certainly uh, I, I think, in, you know, the, when, he, when we did it the first few years, they really didn't tell you how the voting broke, uh, broke down. Because in the early years, it was one or two, only one or two votes separating the, the fifth place guy, the one who got in from the guy who just barely missed it. So uh, now they, they give you the percentage of votes. Uh, I know in the uh, in the Pioneer ballot, they said Red Farmer got 71% of the Pioneer ballot votes mm-hmm. and Herschel McGriff in his second. So uh, maybe Herschel uh, will get in uh, in the years to come. Hopefully he will. But, you know, anyway, it's just – it's cool that, that – that, and you think uh, – here's the other thing I think is impressive. We knew Dale Earnhardt Jr., you know, first year eligible, he's in. But the fact that Mike Stefanic was able to get more votes than Ricky Rudd and Neil Bonnet, both of which are so well thought of, highly respected for their cup series careers, uh, says a lot about the people who realize who knew Mike Stefanic. So, uh, and we all know that Ricky Rudd and Neil Bonnet will get in eventually and maybe next year.
0: Also, I just love that, that we're in a time where our pioneer vote, uh, drivers are m- still more active than our modern era drivers <laughs> isn't that so funny to think we're looking at these guys are still competing and you know juniors retired rookie reds retired so it's just man it's fun I love NASCAR it's a sport where you can drive for as long as your as your body's gonna let you
1: yeah I remember going to Daytona when I was a uh, quickly quick story when I, when I was uh, in college first time I'd ever been there and uh, I got a chance to go down with a family friend and, and uh, we had a credential to be in the garage area uh to help out with uh, for many parsons uh, but we went up and sat in the stands because it was it was an unreserved seating for the for what was in the, the permatex 300 the sportsman race there and oh, okay. uh, and and i remember watching two co- red farmer and another car rolling side over side out of turn four in the short shoot down uh into the into the trioval area at daytona uh and i'm thinking to myself holy cow these guys have got to be banged up they just got to be and then after the race we, we took our credentials went back in the garage area and we're strolling by and there's red farmer talking to other guys there laughing and giggling like nothing happened and so you know you think about that that's how tough those guys were back then and it roll a car side over side him and another young uh young driver got together and, I, and uh but you know they you know that was gosh that was in the uh, early 70s and here we are at 2021 he's moving into the nascar hall of fame class so hey you know you know it's um you know he's had a few tough ones but uh he's still rolling
0: yeah still as tough as ever that's for sure all right more huge news coming out of the nascar world this week the all-star race has been moved to bristol
1: Uh, oh
0: man that one got my heart going when that announcement came out wow i am thrilled now obviously a little, a little sad because the all-star race has obviously always been in Charlotte for the most yeah. part, and uh, it's a home race for NASCAR. But Bristol at 7 p.m. in July, best of the best, I, I think I think it's going to be incredible.
1: Well, I, 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 I got to tell you this, Jesse. You know, uh, Bristol, you know, I love going there. Uh, the atmosphere, being in Thunder Valley, you, you get up there in the afternoon, you go by a couple of our favorite barbecue places get a couple of plates of Q. you go over early, get in the racetrack. Uh, You know, Bristol's full contact stock car racing, uh, the last great Coliseum, whatever you want to call it. I call it Thunder Valley. Um, And, uh, you know, I remember um, going on the air. I'm just, just, just the majesty of that place and watching those cars at night uh, going around and backfiring in the fire and the lights. It's just, and there's going to be rubbing and, and bumping and grinding and all kinds of pushing and shoving, just a concession thing. But no, I mean on the racetrack. And uh, I remember calling the race one year uh, when we had a helicopter that came through the valley as we're coming on the air on ESPN. The helicopter was flying through the valley, and it came across a ridge, and then there was Bristol Motor Speedway, you know, in the big, and all the lights and its majesty. And I said, "Welcome to the Rose Bowl of racetracks, Bristol Motor Speedway." And the back door of our broadcast booth came flying open, and we're on the air. We're just a on espn and it's Bruton smith and he comes running he's i love that rose bowl of racetracks i love that doc and 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 that's exactly what it looked like to me was that 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 shot you get coming across the mountains of the rose bowl you know on new year's day and that's and that's what bristol was the lights and the people and just the atmosphere but now the the all-star race in in the open they're going to be there on a wednesday night so it's prime time television uh And uh, believe me, you think there'll be any contact here? It's a non-points race. You think there'll be any pushing and shoving, (laughs) any temperance flaring? Uh, Maybe.
0: Gosh, with a million dollars on the line, I mean, I'd have to imagine someone's going to push somebody. I mean, how often the all-star race, short track racing, I think that's what's so cool is that we're not only, I mean, we're changing the whole dynamic of what this competition looks like by moving into a short track like Bristol.
1: And, and 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 in the, in the race a few weeks ago, there were no tempers when that one was over. Are you kidding me? <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> off the wall, and you know, and you had Blaney on the wall, and you had Hamlin on the wall, and you had you had uh, you know Legano L- and Elliott. You know, you know.
0: And there was no one in the stands. Yeah. Let's
1: yeah. take and that into account. Point, you, were ever, you were trying to make sure you get. Yeah. Imagine now there's no points and there will be fans. So I mean, how how cool is that? I can't wait I just can't wait um, great move by NASCAR uh, wonderful move to, to, to move the all-star in the fact that you can still go up there and it's a, it's running the evening on a Wednesday night I think the people watching at home on Fox are gonna love it because they're gonna get to see something oh and by the way I know some people are sort of losing their mind over it but but I, I like the fact you're moving the numbers making things different they're gonna move the number back in front yeah. of the rear wheel and which gives you the whole door uh, for sponsorship. Now, it isn't what we normally do. Some people are saying the cars don't look symmetrical, but I'm not sure when the race is over at Bristol, they ever look symmetrical. Right. <laughs> but, so, so don't worry about it. The number may not be that long anyway, the way they're going to be. Probably tonight. not.
0: Yeah. Anything on a quarter panel doesn't usually right. last very long at Bristol.
1: Exactly. But I think it's going to be a wild night.
0: Well, and I think, too, going back to moving it from Charlotte, uh, Marcus Smith, you mentioned Bruton back – in that story but yep. you know Marcus Smith he he gave an interview talking about how excited he is and and to, to move this race and he just wants uh, you know as the as the owner and, and the one in charge of Charlotte there he just wants the best show for all the fans and for the drivers and if that means it it's at Bristol and that means moving into Bristol means you can get 30,000 NASCAR fans in the stands then he is all for it and there's plenty of time for charlotte to have its to have it time.
1: and what marcus has done and let's give a call to jerry Caldwell, the general manager oh yeah motor speedway and what a job he has done you you hearken back to what they did with the football game with the battle at bristol with with tennessee and virginia tech setting the all-time record for attendance for college football you know not at the big house not you know at michigan not at the horseshoe at ohio state you know not at bristol motor speedway 159,000 plus there uh, I was there for the game for game day. Did the game on ESPN. What a night! And that's thinking outside the box. You know, building that football stadium inside Bristol Motor Speedway. Marcus Smith, uh, you know, and, and Jerry Caldwell, that whole team working together. And now the All Star race is there. And I think we're going to have. Uh, I know they'll limit the number of fans that are going to be there. So, but still, we're making progress. And those that are there, are you kidding me? If you're not there, you're going to want You're going to want to get all the. All the the snacks lined up in front of the television said this is going to be one this is going to be must see TV on Fox at night.
0: Oh, absolutely! Hey, funny story about that about that football game. I was there as well. Uh, thanks to you, I got to watch it from from the stands. And I think one of the funniest things for me, being a NASCAR fan, being a NASCAR family, was. Uh, and having all of my football friends come in to watch the race bristol in an incredible pr move had um stock cars set up on the banking of the racetrack so that people showing up to watch the football game could get an understanding of what it looks like when there's a car on the track and man all of my friends that were big football fans but didn't know anything about nascar were in awe they're like this car is sideways (laughs) and i'm like I know right this is what yeah. we've been trying to tell you so it was really cool seeing all these football fans really get a huge appreciation for NASCAR and for and for Bristol by coming to watch a football game there
1: yeah so. they, they they even inter- they had the band marching bands on the in stands hmm. there on, out on the tracks so you can see the, the pride of the Southland you know a marching band you know for Tennessee was there and, and they played Rocky Top and people went nuts you know and I you know and uh in the virginia tech band play inner Sandman." it was just wonderful and they even entertained possibly having the cars they had a car painted virginia tech colors and a car painted tennessee colors they even decided they thought about having these cars fire up and do donuts when someone scored but they said that might, might be a little too much but, <laughs> so but they had them there uh and uh, yeah it was uh it's it, it just just something about being at bristol it's just a special place um and i can't wait you know kudos again to nascar I love the fact that we're thinking outside the box and we're taking the all-star race there on a weeknight, you know, and we're, we're stirring in fans. We're going to bring the fans back, let them be a part of it. And, uh, and, and I think it's going to be a heck, of a, a heck of a watch.
0: I agree. I'm very, very much – very much looking forward to it. Let's look ahead, though, to this weekend at Talladega. Before we get into to the actual uh, competition this weekend, I want to touch on something that I saw on Twitter because I immediately sent it to you. And, and I thought it was kind of funny. And then your response was like, oh, I I know. I'm, I'm informed on that, and I was like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, so I saw, it, I saw a tweet from Jeff Gluck highlighting a driver named James Davison. He's a 33-year-old Australian driver. He's a road racer, and he's going to be driving this weekend at Talladega in the number 77 cup car for Spire Motorsports. So for, for James Davison, this is his first time in a stock car on an oval, much less a super speedway. This is his first experience in a cup car and he will not be getting any practice prior to Talladega. So I think the tweet from Jeff Gluck said, so what could go wrong? You know, right, and right. I sent that your way and you're like, I'm familiar with James Davidson. Yeah. So dad, please inform the NASCAR world who will be piloting that 77 this weekend. Yeah.
1: James <laughs> Davidson is an accomplished road racer from Australia. Uh, and, uh, his, his, uh, his dad, um, uh, was a was a longtime uh, racer down the John Davidson. His grandfather, um, Lex, Day, I'm sorry, uh, his grandfather Lex Davidson was a four-time winner of the uh, Australian Grand Prix. So it's a racing family. But as far as James himself is concerned, he's run a handful of Indianapolis 500s. Uh, so that's where I met him the first time when he was up there qualifying in Indy. And in fact, in 2017, when uh, Sebastian Bourdais looked like he was going to sit on the pole at Indianapolis and had a horrific crash. Uh, during qualifying they put James Davison in the car uh, as as a substitute driver and he had to start 33rd now here's a driver here's a, a new driver to Indianapolis Indianapolis Motor Speedway 235 mile an hour laps this is this far apart um, he starts 33rd and he became just the uh, third driver in Indy history uh, the last one being Tom Sneva uh, to, to go from 33rd to leading that race, he led two laps in that race in 2017. He's gone on to qualify. He ran the 2019 Indy 500 again. So this guy wow. is no stranger to having to be able to think his way, you know, through traffic. Uh, granted, stock cars are different. Drafting is a big, is a different animal because in open wheel races, you don't, you don't bump, you don't bump each other, you don't, uh, you know. But uh, I think, you know, I, I think he's a smart, he's a race car driver, you know. And I've done those, I did those I rock races many years at Talladega mm-hmm. where. You had guys come up from stuff from sports car racing and then open-wheel racing, and they came in and did well. So I think he'll, he'll be smart. Uh, and I think, you know, that, uh, that I think it's a great move to get him, give him a shot in a stock car, um, given the fact that he does have some open-wheel experience. You don't run Indianapolis Motor Speedway, especially the Indy 500, uh, and finish it if you don't know what you're doing and, and how to be careful and how to, and how to measure um, your calculated risks.
0: Well, let me ask you this, because I, you know, working for the NASCAR Internationals Department, we always try uh, to find ways to relate or, you know, contrast different uh, types of motorsports so that um, different audiences can understand. And I know someone that I always love an, an opportunity to chat with is Kurt Busch, because him having yeah. that experience going back and forth between uh, driving stock cars and then and driving Indy cars. So... He's been able to open my my brain up a little bit to the, the the challenges of going from stock car racing to indie car racing. But for someone uh, like James Davison going from indie car racing, throwing himself into stock car racing, what do you perceive as one of the, the biggest challenges as a driver that could actually maybe be pretty evident this weekend at Talladega?
1: Well, I think I think that, you know. Precision in IndyCar racing, you turn the steering wheel. The steering wheel are just, the steering wheel is so tight, it's such a precise steering. You turn the steering wheel according to the people who told me. I've never driven an IndyCar, but they tell me you turn it in half an inch and the car will will react abruptly. Uh, and so when guys go from IndyCar racing to a stock car, or for example, when Danica went there, uh, you talk right. about how sloppy a stock car feels in steering. You got to turn it, you turn the wheel, nothing happened, you turn it in more nothing, happened. you turn it, you turn it, finally it, it starts to turn because uh you got a lot more weight uh and uh and you got you know and you really got to crank the steering wheel so you you got to be on top of the steering you got to be moving in the steering wheel but as an indie car if you move the steering wheel very much you're in you're in serious trouble because that car is going to react even one way or another and you end up spinning back in the wall so he's going to have to uh, adapt quickly to how how um Relaxed or sloppy is the word some of these guys use. The steering could be in an indie car, I meaning in a stock car, compared to indie car racing. And I think that if I'm him, and, and I'm probably, I'll probably uh, talk to some of the veteran drivers, he'll say, "Okay, get in line uh, and feel your car out. Feel, see what it feels like in the draft. Understand that when you move around, the air is going to move you around. Know what the air does. Uh, if you've been in, in, a, in an indie car." At uh, the start of the race, they tell you it's like being, it's like driving in a wind tunnel because all, all the turbulence coming off all the cars. It's hard to even keep your car going straight less keep it out of the wall. So he needs to be thinking about all those things and basically find a good place, uh, a clear place, in, you know, in traffic to ride until he can get his feet under him and get comfortable. And remember, the good thing about Talladega, they say, you know, unlike it's not really a handling racetrack like Daytona has become more of a handling track, and then the mile and a half is definitely. But there, you just you steer, it's wide, you steer the car, uh, you stay in the throttle, you deal with the, with the air and the draft. So he understands speed. He understands steering a car. He's got plenty of room to, to race. Uh, he's got to learn more about the draft, which he's probably not used so much. You do feel a little bit an indie car a long straightaways, but, but not the bump drafting, not some of the things the nose-to-tail stuff. So he's going to have to be really careful uh, and use his mirrors not to make a mistake. Because a mistake at Talladega with all these stock cars, you get what everyone knows as the big one, which is, it could be a 20 or 25 car crash.
0: Interesting. So it'll be, it'll be a really interesting challenge for him balancing, I guess, like you were saying finesse, but also this aggressive, right. uh, more, um, you said, you know, more jerky, if you will, more aggressive on your body racing and the, you know, and then Motorsports is a, is a one car operation. So, uh, you know the equipment that he's in. I'd have to imagine is is very different than the equipment that he's used to running, uh, in obviously different cars. But I just mean in comparison to his competitors, um, he has he has a bit of an uphill battle uh, on the equipment side as well. So um, I'm really excited to watch that. I think that's a great storyline heading into this weekend. That already has uh, phenomenal racing um, yeah. on the horizon. And so. I'm glad
1: to see an opportunity to get there. I mean, he's a, he's a young driver that uh, will have some people who watch them at. You know, in Formula, you know, Champ Cars and Star Mazda back in the early year, you know, Firestone, the Indy, the Indy Light Series, and then in IndyCar, you know, the Grand Am Series. So, he's run a lot of, 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 uh, of open wheel kind of road racing series and, and the open wheels, you know, on, on the ovals, and now he gets to try a stock car, which, you know, you, you don't know. You know, I remember talking to legendary four-time Indy 500 winner Rick Mears, and Rick, and Rick told me, so, you know, he, he, one of his regrets was that he didn't get a chance really to, get, to have a legitimate shot, to get in a stock car. And I think somebody like Rick, with all his talent, ability, and just, and just, you know, car control would have been really good in a stock car. You think about Mario and AJ and these guys that went and won in stock cars at Daytona and won big races. I think Rick Mears would have been right there with them winning races, but he just never got a shot. So I'm glad someone like James Davison, as young as he is, gets that chance.
0: Well, let's look ahead to, to the weekend at Talladega. Let's look at the track, though, specifically, because I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I learned a lot about Talladega just in you and I discussing what we were going to chat about on the podcast. Now, the, the obvious of Talladega is that you, you've you heard of it, whether you're an NASCAR fan or not. You know, you've seen so you've seen it in, in Stroker Ace, the movie, or, or Talladega Nights, or, or any of, of the, you know, pop culture-related references or partying that goes along with Talladega. But, you know, it's the biggest track on the circuit. It's the fastest track on the circuit. It is the monstrosity of of racing. Um, But I didn't know that the history of Talladega, it wasn't embraced with full and open arms. I wasn't aware of that because, as fans, we embrace Talladega with open arms every single year. So... (laughs) you pointed out to me that bill france kind of um put himself out there a little bit in opposition to a little bit of pushback from from the drivers and uh uh, can you can you go in into more detail about this story and why this why this came about like this
1: well well, talladega was built in 1969 and and it was basically bill france senior saying i want to build this speed plant. i want to build this place where it's the biggest fastest stock car facility in the world and, and people can go there and go as fast as they're willing to go um uh, actually he wanted to build this racetrack in north carolina in orange county north carolina right outside of raleigh uh at a place called uh, o- uh it was going to be okanichi with uh speedway a uh, short track there but that was his idea was to build this track this big monstrosity on some land this area in orange county he couldn't get the local government uh of people uh, in north carolina to uh, agree to allow him to do that. So he started looking for somewhere else. He found this land and uh, that was an old army, old military base, so World War II military base, uh, right off Interstate 20 between uh, Birmingham and Atlanta. Um, this was a, uh, it was a, depending upon who you talked to, that was a pilot training base. It was a munition stockpile base, but you can still see, if you look from the grandstands, you can still see evidence of the old concrete runways uh, that were running through the infield. Uh, when it was a military base, so he built this track at the, at the, at the uh, for about four million dollars in 1969, and it's banked at 33 degrees, that's two degrees higher than Daytona. It's 2.66 miles. It's the world's largest and fastest closed course stock car facility. So the drivers that were there for the first time said, "Wait a minute, uh, it's way too fast. I'm not sure the tires will 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 hold up. or worried about safety," and uh, so they were going to boycott, boycott the race. Bill France senior actually got in a car, got in one of the cars and drove it himself around the racetrack to show him, Hey, it's safe. I'm in the car. I'm going to go out and drive this car. If I didn't think it was safe, I wouldn't be out here. Uh, but they had, um, some issues with that first race. Richard Brickhouse won it. A lot of the drivers didn't race in it. Uh, a a young man by the name of Richard Childress did race because he was there for the race the day before and used some of the monies he won in that race to go back and invest in his race team. And you know, what happened to Richard down the road. So, um, yeah, it was uh it was a uh, uh it was en- more wisdom more vision by bill france senior i'm going to build the biggest i'm going to build the fastest and uh, i'm going to show you it's safe um and then and that was 1969 and sure enough it was a year later uh, it was march of actually 1970 uh, that buddy baker in a test there became the first driver to run a recorded lap at over 200 miles per hour he ran 200.4 miles per hour uh, in March of 1970 becoming the first driver ever to exceed 200 miles per hour that car by the way is in the International Motorsports Hall of Fame as well the museum that's there in the parking lot so that's when everyone realized Talladega was special uh, that it was going to be everything Bill France Sr. wanted it to be and then some um, you think about so it was known for speed it was known for you know big big time finishes big time crashes uh, you know in uh, you know in in surprise winners you uh, I look back at the history of 1980, 1981, uh, Ron Bouchard, who was a rookie driver, uh, was diving down. We are 100 feet from the start-finish line. He dives down underneath Darrell Waltrip and Terry Labonte to take the victory. Uh, and he was, and he was, that, was his, that was his win, his one win, and, as he went on to be Rookie of the Year. And, and he was the fourth different driver to get their first and only win at Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, the fourth of six, I should say. Uh, there are six that have done it completely, totally. Uh, so many landmark things have happened. I remember in 1985, um, Bill Elliott was going for the Winston-Megan, but he had to win Talladega and then try to win one of the next two. Uh, and he has smoke billowing from his Ford uh, early in the race, and everyone thought the engine's blown up. When they come down pit road, it's an oil line. And so they fix the oil line, and he's like 200 yards from going two laps down, two- Two point six six miles, so he's almost you know what six miles behind everybody else. He makes up two laps under green in that car to win the race at Talladega. I was there. I did the race. I I'll never forget how that car was unbelievable. He was driving it. They weren't. They weren't wave arounds. They weren't. He drove it under green and made up that time to win that race. And so and then he went on and won at Darlington to get the million dollars. That's the nickname, Million Dollar Bill. Um, and then and it was two years later, 1987, where Bill Elliott at Talladega set the all-time qualifying record at 212.8 miles per hour. That's the same race that uh, Bobby Allison's car got up in the stands and ripped some of the fencing down, uh, which precipitated us down the road having restrictor plates to slow him down. Um, and, uh, and while Bobby Allison tears the fence down, and he's okay, and Bill Elliott sets the all-time qualifying record that day, it was another youngster named Davey Allison that day who got his first win as a rookie. And so, uh, yeah, Talladega has been, been a special place for so many wonderful memories over the years, you know, in stock car racing. Uh, and uh, I could talk forever about that place, but uh, we we do have a pretty special uh, race coming up this weekend down there.
0: Well, you mentioned Davey Allison getting his uh, his first win, and you mentioned only four or six drivers have had their first and only win at Talladega. But it's to note that Talladega, for as wild of a racetrack as it is and as unpredictable and difficult to handle as it is, it's produced 11 first-time winners, which right. is so funny to me. But on that list of 11 first-time winners are names like you mentioned, Davey Allison, Phil Parsons, Ken Schrader. Right. Brad Kislowski, Ricky Stenhouse, I just think that's so interesting to me that you can go get I can't imagine that feeling <laughs> taking yeah. on a track like Talladega much less conquering a track like Talladega to go to Victory Lane for your first time that is a feat.
1: Well, and and that and the thing is that I I always told people they said what is it different what's different about Talladega before the race starts and I tell people that for many years when I would walk out on 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 pit road uh, to interview a driver or two during the pre race, right before they climbed in the car, the drivers would always look differently. They look different there, pardon me, than, than they would anywhere else. It's almost like they knew what could happen that day. They knew the speeds were there. They knew that, that with, with these plates on the car, you, you were all together in one big cluster of cars. If some rookie or some inexperienced driver made a mistake, they were going to take out 20 cars. So you really couldn't control your own destiny. So you were at the mercy of someone else making a foolish mistake or a move or or mishandling the car or, or breaking apart or something so uh, the drivers you know there was almost an eerie feeling that they would be looking at me doing the interview but almost staring right through me like they were reflecting on boy I, I just want to get this over with today because they knew that there was so much they couldn't control and so much unpredictability and that's one of the reasons that we were able to see so many first-time winners so many young drivers going to victory lane because of the plate and the, and the reduced horsepower, if you could stick your car in an opening and hold on, you had a shot to win. Thus the Ron Bouchard wins. and you mentioned Ricky Stenhouse and Brad Keselowski, some of those things that, over the years that have won uh, and the unpredictable finishes. Um, and, and maybe one of the, one of the greatest all-time finishes that I was ever a part of was the Dale Earnhardt's uh, seniors last win in October of 2000 when he came from 18th with three laps to go. Um, and I, I get chills thinking about looking at Benny Parsons on my left and Ned Jaren on my right. We're watching Earnhardt weaving through the field, and Benny Parsons says, Doctor, don't, don't, don't leave it. Don't forget about Earnhardt. He's coming. And we sort of <laughs> chuckled, like, Benny, what have you been, you know, what have you, what have you, you've been sipping in the cup there? But sure <laughs> enough, here comes Earnhardt and, um, and somehow pulls off the win, his 76th and final victory. We didn't know it was the final one at the time, but what, what a, what a day and what a place. Talladega Super Speedway uh, for so many incredible memories.
0: Personally, for me, knowing that story now about the opposition from the drivers and Bill France, you know, going out uh, onto the racetrack, literally proving to them, it, it 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 makes me look at this track differently. And I read something uh, interesting today or yesterday. Someone, someone kind of put it. They said Talladega to Bill France was his it's like you said. It was almost his his mad scientist. It was his project. He yeah. he had his experience with Daytona. He knew what he loved, and that was his baby. But now Talladega was this opportunity for him to make the biggest, fastest, best racetrack in the world. And when the drivers gave him that little bit of not little bit of pushback, when the drivers boycotted and said we're not running this place, I just I just think it's so cool that that the leadership of the sport came back and said. Uh, you don't have to run this place, but I will. And I'll show you that you should be running this place. And it's like you mentioned, a lot of them didn't come back and, and run on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, you know, why we saw, uh, eventually we saw that driver um, protection program. They were under, you know, disintegrated and, yeah. and it didn't really, really matter in the long run because the, the Example that we saw from NASCAR leadership, and that we saw from Bill France, was just really cool because it was a great example of leadership, but also a great example of how much this track meant to him. Yeah, and that's I just view it differently now.
1: Yeah, and you know, he I mentioned he built it in 1969, and then in the early 80s, uh, another special project was the International Motorsports Hall of Fame, which is which is open every day, and it's built right there in the parking lot. So even if you're a race fan and you're and you can go to a race at Talladega. I encourage you to go. And, and while you're there for the weekend, go go one afternoon and spend a couple hours at International Motorsports Hall of Fame. The cars in there uh, chronicle the history of Talladega and the history of NASCAR. But there's also some cars in there that were that uh, from some horrific wrecks, uh, including the the the, the, uh, the Michael Waltrip wreck at Bristol, where the car was cut in half. That car is in there. Uh, there's a Budweiser Rocket car that that uh, San Barrett ran over 700 miles an hour with a 48,000 horsepower rocket engine and a Sidewinder missile. That's in there, in that, in that museum. But Bill France Senior wanted that museum there because he wanted to be able to chronicle all the things that were going to happen at his racetrack. And boy, was he right. Again, a visionary. Uh, so many incredible things happened. The Earnhardt's car was there, Bill Elliott's car that went 212 is there, Alan Kawicki, Davey Allison, you know, Red Farmer, the, the Hall of Famer, uh, you know, Clifford Allison, uh, on and on and on. Uh, there's Richie Evans cars, Richie Evans cars in there. They ran on the super speedway at Talladega when they converted a modified into a modified modified by putting fenders on it. Um, know, <laughs> there, there, there's a Carol Shelby, there's a Carol Shelby car that never made it to production that they were carving, uh, which is, uh, uh, to make a sport, uh, an enlarged sports car for bigger people and Carol died before they could actually produce it. But the, but the one and only mock-up model, full size scale model is in the museum. So there's so much wow. to see. And all that's a result of Bill France Sr. saying, "You know, I'm going to build you a great racetrack, fans, to come watch races. I'm also going to build you a place to come remember everything that happened here if you want to reminisce."
0: That's really cool. I I am a little bit sad because I was supposed to go to Talladega this year and work the race. Um, obviously. Things have changed, but um, I know for sure after you've told me about your experience getting to go, uh, you did a feature there at at the Hall of Fame there or at the museum there. Yeah. Uh, I know ne- when I do get to go to Talladega, that will be that will be my first stop because it sounds like an awesome place to go visit.
1: Yeah, and here's the here's the best part. Uh, you know, you talk about how people love their jobs. Uh, there's a PR guy at Talladega by the name of Russell Branham, and Russell goes way way back to my early years. And he was friends with me and Jim Hunter and NASCAR Vice President Jim Hunter, who was also the general manager there for many years, and Mike Hilton, et cetera. Uh and Russell's one of Russell's mentors early on when Russell was a kid, uh, was a guy named David Pearson. So everybody, well Russell's the PR guy there. And if you're not in, in, in and he goes to work every day, but you can go to that museum in an afternoon and you may look around and see Russell walking around reading the plaques and looking at cars. That's how much he loves his job. Um, you know, and loves what he does. So Um, You know that's that's a great place to go, and if you're there at the at the museum, you see Russell, tell him we said hello. (laughs)
0: Please, please do well, and there will be very few people there this weekend watching the races. But if you're not there watching the races be on your couch watching them. Um, starting on Saturday, the Xfinity race is at 5.30 Saturday evening, and right. then the Cup right. race is at 3.30 on Sunday. So I will say, as, as excited as I am for Talladega, man, having to wait all week for more racing, I don't know that I like this, like, <laughs> back to normal, only racing on the weekends kind of schedule. I need I need a Wednesday or Thursday in there.
1: Yeah, it's wow. become like Major League Baseball, where you know, there's one <laughs> couple nights a week. And yeah, they, yeah we, we got we gotten spoiled, but you know what? It's good for the drivers to take a deep break. Uh, especially going to Talladega. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I think, and you remember, there's no practice, no qualifying. And we're going to practice uh, because they, they've diminished the tapered spacer. There's no plate anymore. They have a tapered spacer. Right. diminished by 132nd of an inch. Uh, and they've taken away some of the front air uh, conduction system. They, they've, they've gotten rid of that. But that 132nd of an inch tapered spacer reduction is supposed to reduce it by 40 horsepower. Or so. so we're going to let them test or practice, I should say and now they're not. I think they talk to the, to the engine builders and the car owners and the drivers and say, yeah, we can, we can make this work. So there's still another, another unknown when they wave the green flag uh, is because of the rules change. So uh, that'll be interesting as well.
0: I'm very much looking forward to this weekend of racing at Talladega. And like we said, even though they've made us wait all week, it has been good for the drivers. I think if we were to throw another Wednesday race in there, I think it was Kevin Harvick after the race this past week said, can you, can you tell it's taking a toll on us? Or one of them, one of them said something about, yeah, we're starting to feel it. So yeah, yeah. a much earned break uh, into an exciting weekend at Talladega. But I guess with, with that, it wraps up episode seven of rolling with the punches before we go. I want to say, please follow us on Instagram. If that is your jam at rolling.punches is the account. Uh, I am on Instagram. Dad is not, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, follow him on Twitter Um, as well as please like, subscribe, rate, review, comment. I don't know all that good stuff that you do when you listen to podcasts and you watch YouTube videos. Show us some love um, and tweet at us. Let us know what you want us to talk about. We love talking to people on Twitter. It's great.
1: I love that too. And I I love answering questions. And if you have a suggestion, we're going to start maybe having some guests. We have some thoughts. We have had some people to call in that want to be on and people would love to have on. Maybe some of the people you're very familiar with um in which we will do in the future but if you have a suggestion of a guest or someone you'd like to have us to visit with uh and tell a few stories uh reminisce maybe uh we'd love love to we'd love to hear your suggestions
0: yes please do so we're looking forward to hearing from you guys on twitter we will see you next week for episode eight of rolling with the punches dad it's been a pleasure it's
1: been a pleasure sweetie have a great week we hopefully will have a safe race at caladega and uh, we can talk about what another one of those wild finishes where everybody's okay, but we'll talk about it for a week. Yeah. Enjoyed it, sweetie. Love you.
0: I love you too, dad. Good stuff. Okay. That was great.
1: Mom is pinging me for the grocery list while we're in the last. <laughs>
0: <laughs>